0: I'm Pete McCall. Welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. You know, with everything happening right now, the social distancing, the stay-at-home orders, everything we're having to do to deal with the spread of COVID-19, if you're like me, you're probably jonesing for a great workout right now. Well, don't worry. I have you covered. If you go to my website, PeteMcCallFitness.com, again, that's PeteMcCallFitness.com, and sign up for my mailing list, I'll send you a chapter of my book, Smarter workouts: The science of exercise made simple, along with a workout that you can do at home. That's right. Simply go to my website, sign up for my book, and I'll send you a chapter along with a bodyweight workout that you can do anywhere you take your body. Check down below in the show notes to, for the link. Follow it, and you'll get free stuff from PeteMcCallFitness.com. As a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s, one of my favorite TV shows that I watched all the time was *Mash*. It wasn't until much later. I think I might have been a, uh, in high school studying history or in college maybe studying military history when I realized that MASH was on for 10 seasons, yet the Korean War, which MASH allegedly, you know, the, sh- the show was about um, doctors at a, at a mobile surgical army hospital during the Korean War. Well, the Korean War lasted only two years, but the show was on TV for 10 years. Why am I talking about a TV show that went off the air almost 30 years ago? shoot almost 40 years ago now wow that's how old i am but why am i talking about a show that went off the air years ago even though it lives on in syndication well on mash there's a recurring character by the name of dr sydney dr sydney was a psychologist who would show up every now and then when hawkeye and bj a couple of the main characters on the show got a little squirrely and as i was preparing to interview one of this episode's guests i realized I'm about to talk to a real-life Dr. Sidney from MASH, so it's kind of a cool thing to bring back full circle. One of my guests today is Dr. Jess Harmon, and Dr. Harmon is a mental performance resilience specialist. She is in operational psychology with the U.S. Army, so Jess is actually a real-life Dr. Sidney. Now, in speaking with her, I don't know if Jess really knows who Dr. Sydney is, but it was kind of funny when I made that connection. But one of the things that Jess has done is Jess has served in multiple deployments with the U.S. Army in combat operations, well, in combat areas like Afghanistan and Iraq. What she does is she supports members of the Army in dealing with the stress of their situations. Another thing that Jess does is helps with the selection process for the Army and for Army Special Operations. Another guest today is a founder of the company O2X, and I'll get into what they do in a second. Paul McCullough is one of the founders of O2X, and he himself served in the military for a number of years as a Navy SEAL. Well, O2X is a company that specializes in optimizing human performance. Apparently, X in military parlance, and I never served in the military, X in military parlance means the target. So O2X means optimizing to the target. Well, what Paul and Dr. Harmon and their entire company do is they are a support company. They are a support organization for working with tactical athletes. Tactical athletes include military, law enforcement, first responders, people that deal with very stressful situations. When I got the opportunity to speak with Paul and Jess, I immediately jumped on it because I think we kind of got a stressful situation right now. If you're like me, everything that we're dealing with right now is causing a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. You know, things from, you know, businesses being closed. I mean, when you look at it, Overnight, almost the entire fitness industry shut down. Everything that I do right now is really up in chaos. I wanted to talk to Jess and I wanted to talk to Paul today because they have a lot of experience dealing with stress. On this episode of All About Fitness, we're going to speak with two individuals who know how to deal in stressful situations. Working as a military special operator like Paul means that you are trained to handle, handle yourself and handle situations that most people can't imagine. So Paul knows a little bit about dealing with stress and how to overcome it. As an operational psychologist focusing on mental performance and resilience, Jess, or Dr. Harmon, really knows the clinical side of it. She knows strategies that people can take. I mean, her job with O2X is helping law enforcement and other first responders deal with very stressful environment and very stressful situations. So I want to speak with Jess about what are strategies That we, that all of us listening right now can put in place to help us just mitigate the stress that we may be feeling. Because here's the thing, no matter how how you might feel right now, no matter what you might be feeling right now, folks, we're going to get through this. Right now, this is a temporary blip. Right now, what we're dealing with is virus. Yes, it's nasty. Yes, everything being closed is a pain in the butt. Yes, we're having to learn a whole, I mean, overnight, we've changed almost all of our entire habits. But you know what? We can get through this. And that's exactly what we talk about on this episode of All About Fitness with Paul McCullough and Dr. Jess Harmon. It's what you can do, what you can do today to reduce the stress. Strategies that you can take to optimize your performance. You are going to learn a lot during our conversation today. So let's get started. I'm Pete McCall with All About Fitness, and today I'm really excited to be speaking with two special guests uh, from a company called O2X, based out of New England. And they have a very, very unique, um, a very unique skill set that I think would help everybody right now. So, Paul and uh, Dr. Harmon, I really—it's Paul McCullough and, and Dr. Uh, Jess Harmon from O2X. I really appreciate you guys joining me. How are you guys doing today? Great, thanks a lot for having us.
1: Yeah, doing well. Thank you for having us on your show today.
0: And what I want to talk to you guys about, and this is kind of your, your expertise, is resiliency training. There's like mental toughness and resiliency training. And can you, I think this is a term that a lot of people are familiar with, in what is resiliency? How would you guys, first of all, yeah, well, first, how would you guys describe resiliency? And then we'll go into a little bit about your background, because I think we should define resiliency first, and we'll talk a little bit about each of your specific backgrounds.
2: Yeah, perfect thanks I, I mean I think at the end of the day we, we really describe resiliency as you know bouncing back from some kind of adverse situation and ideally bouncing back a bit stronger than you were before I don't know Jess if you want to handle the science behind that
1: sure no I agree and I think it's kind of in line with what we what we teach and, and look at at o2x is really that that thriving through adversity and so understanding the the science behind stress, understanding the science behind resiliency, um, what's going on, why people do kind of hit those points when they are stressed out, and then how do you how do you really kind of thrive through that? So, not really if, but when you're going to face adversity, uh, whether that's chronic or acute, and then how do you really come out better on the other end of it?
0: And now, Jess, you're a PhD in this field of psychology, right? I mean, what specific area of psychology do you focus on?
1: Sure. So, I have my doctorate in clinical psychology. Uh, and, and my focus in grad school was in trauma, uh, specifically looking at kind of military trauma or trauma in combat um, after traumatic experiences for the lifetime. It's a really trauma based focus uh, coming into the military. It really shifted into um, looking at special operations um, and then focusing on more of that coaching performance enhancement. And so how do you take individuals who are high performing and really, really put them in those stressful situations or stressful environments and really thrive through that. And so it's kind of a combination of, of those individuals who maybe need a little more help of learning to become resilient all the way to those who are really our kind of peak performers and how do they maintain resilience through those stressful times.
0: Well, let me ask you this because I've spoken with um, Dr. Kelly McGonigal and, and one or two other other area um, psychologists who handle this field. And, and there seems to be a belief out there that not all stress is bad. And in fact, that some stress is good. Would, would you agree with that? And and how would you describe that, Jess? How would you describe like, the benefits of stress in terms of making us stronger in the long run?
1: Absolutely. One of the terms that, has, that comes to mind is growth mindset. And so one of the things we talk about when we work with our tactical athletes in O2X is just that, that, that stress, uh, stress comes in all kinds of shapes and forms. And good stressors are also stressful. So some of the things we talk about are things like job promotions, getting married, having kids. A lot of a lot of life comes with stress that we want in our lives. And so um, you're going to, and we can talk more in depth, but, you know, some of these kind of acute stressors that happen quickly, we're able to recover and move forward, um, are a little bit different than those kind of chronic day-to-day stressors. Uh, I think where it really comes to play is that we have those good stressors that come in that we want, that we, those challenges that make us stronger, make us better, uh, really protect us against some of those stressors that are the the not so good stressors in life. Um, but what happens is you kind of compound the good and the bad stressors, um, couple that with maybe a crisis or some major things going on, and, and all of those stressors really start to add up. And so knowing what those look like, how they show up, and then how to really mitigate them is is our end state.
0: And so that's what you study. You deal, because you're still in the military, right? You're still in the United States Army? I am, Yep. And now to switch gears, because I, um, I think Paul might know a thing or two about stress as it applies. Paul, can you give us just a little bit about, about your background and, and how and how stress kind of played a role in, in, in where you got to today?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so my background, uh, I'm one of the co-founders of O2X Human Performance. We're based uh, just south of Boston, about 20 miles south. Uh, I come from a military background uh, as well. Uh, I spent about 11 years in the SEAL teams and uh, got out and was lucky enough to put this company together with a few other SEALs. Uh, one of them in particular, Adam LaRue, who I spent pretty much my entire time in the SEAL teams with, um, from East Coast Base SEAL teams the whole time to you know a bunch of combat deployments together. And um, you know, I think my take on on stress or resilience is, is kind of what we had described in the beginning of just, you know, bouncing back from adverse situations, um, ideally stronger. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's been something that's kind of a never ending learning cycle, but I could tell you from, from my background, I've always been able to surround myself with some really incredible people that have been able to do that exact thing, bounce back stronger. And I know the seal community is, um, definitely not, Short on tragic incidents, especially post nine eleven, and uh, and to watch the community bounce back and to react and change everything from mindset to tactics and procedures, you know, has been has been pretty amazing. Um, so it's something that I've been involved with. I think, really, my entire adult life. I, I enlisted right after right after high school. I I joined the the Navy August 29th, uh, two thousand one. So. Less than two weeks before September eleventh and um, I could tell you that from my entire time in it was definitely let 's push down on the gas pedal as hard and as fast as I can go and uh, by the time i I did get out and, and start this company with um, the, my other business partners, you know, I was definitely ready for a, a change, but i was I was also probably just as much focused on doing something. Uh, in line with what I think made the the SEAL team special, and so that's where our focus has really has really kind of narrowed in on this tactical athlete space of of focusing on uh, you know members and individuals and departments that have physical, mental, emotional stressors in their day to day life, and hopefully be able to deliver some high quality training and education to uh, to help them deal with the situations that they've been given.
0: Well, and that's what what was such a unique opportunity for me to speak with you guys is to talk with you. because what I want to do, Paul, is ask you a little bit about, you know, the the training that you went through with with the Navy, with with specifically like BUDS training and then have Jess weigh in on kind of psychology of it and then be able to be able to relay that to people right now who might be feeling a lot of stress. Because all of a sudden with people not working, with businesses shutting down, you know, you're getting an acute um, accumulation of stress. And then when you look at, you know, who you work with primarily through O2X in terms of tactical athletes and first responders, I think you guys sharing a little bit about Paul sharing, you sharing some of your experience and Jess, you giving us a little bit about, about kind of like what's going on on the physiology or the, the psychology of it, I think would be a little bit helpful. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, that makes tons of sense.
0: Yeah. So what is it about, I mean, we have such, there's such a mystique about Navy SEALs. What is it about the training, Paul, that that is so that kind of that allows you guys to stand out in terms of military? I mean, you're known as the elite special operators. What is it about the training that makes your units so efficient and such a strong a strong, um, a strong uh, example of teamwork?
2: Yeah, that's a good question, um, and I don't think anyone's really narrowed in on knowing the uh, the exact answer of what makes some of these special operations communities, um, you know, special. Uh, I could I could tell you that one thing that's unique about the teams is everybody comes from these different backgrounds, different upbringings, um, but at the you know at the end state, you're really surrounded by a group of individuals who are very much all on the same page. Um, I can tell you that when they put a couple hundred people in through training and, you know, let's say 20 to 40 of them are standing there at the end together, it's not, you're not necessarily looking at the most fit people that started these giant savages that you would you would imagine on, on TV. Oftentimes, it's it might be the direct opposite. It's a bunch of average-sized, you know, decent athletes that had, really kind of uh, an uncommon desire maybe to to achieve um, somebody that is probably like maybe not the MVP of a sport team uh, but is maybe the type that would earn the coaches award um, somebody I think that wanted to be there for a reason and to have purpose and also you know somebody that was was just so determined to uh, to make this dream a reality that that was the only thing that they were willing to do. And I think if you talk to a lot of people that make it through the training, um, I don't think you'll hear all these stories of, Oh yeah, I was two seconds away from quitting and I just, I lasted five more minutes. Um, I think most people went in there with a mindset that that just wasn't an option. Um, you know, I was far, far from a stud of, you know, my, my class when I went through training, um, And I can tell you that I feared about not making it through the program every step of the way. But I could also be honest and say there was no step of the way where I ever honestly thought about quitting either because that wasn't an option. I do think there's also a level of having a personality that takes things in strides, right, and doesn't overanalyze and overthink and overcomplicate something that's already you know, really, really difficult. Um, I can give you an example, which is actually kind of funny. Uh, we've been working at O2X, like I said, with the tactical athlete population for the last six years. And uh, Eamon and I, one of the guys that runs uh, business development for us, were was out in uh, at, at Firehouse, um, and we met this this Montana firefighter, uh, uh, Cooper Barry, was his name. And uh, we and we just became great friends with him. And then really the rest of the company at uh, at O2X became friends with uh, Cooper and uh, a few of the other members there. Well, Cooper's son ended up um, being diagnosed with with cancer. A young kid, around twelve years old, and uh, and uh, you, you see something like this, right? About building resilience, and we now sell we sell these shirts um, online, and uh, we we have this thing called an armory, which gets blasts out to all of our um, you know our fire departments and our partnerships on a quarterly basis. And on the back of the short shirt, it says uh, it says if something ever seems like it's too much all you have to do is break it down into smaller parts and uh, that quote is from, from Jack Berry this 12-year-old kid and I, it, you know that's funny it resonates with o2x it resonates with me because you know no different than jack's struggle with you know years potentially of battling cancer at some, such a young age and we're watching this kid absolutely crush it and uh, i think that mindset that jack has probably naturally is probably similar to the, the, the mindset that a lot of team guys have that make it through the program where they look at something, they say, hey, if I'm worried about graduating buds and I'm in my first two weeks, that's that's not the goal, right? The goal is let's just make it through the week. Let's take one step at a time. Let's break this down into the smaller parts. And uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been kind of cool to watch someone like Jack Berry um, kind of push this message. And it's, it's very much in line of the message that I think I, I grew up in and had a lot of mentorship and, and, you know, lessons learned, you know, from a, you know, kid coming right out of high school to now, you know, being in my late thirties.
0: Well, that's interesting, Paul, and I'm going to come into just for a second, but what I, I hear you saying, and what I wrote down, just taking some notes was, it seems like there's a great book I read called um, Stealing Fire. It was about the flow state. And, and one, of the, one of the examples they gave of helping people achieve the flow state, and I, and I interviewed one of the authors a few, maybe two years ago, Um, One of the examples they gave of the flow state was Navy SEAL training about how when you're in the training, you're really trying to get you're trying to get a mindset of we not me. You're you're, there are two things that come out of it. If you're task oriented or mission focused and you have a we mindset, then everybody can operate together to, to achieve whatever the task is, whether it's in training or you got on a live mission. Is that something that I mean? And when you're in it, you probably don't realize it. But is that something that, that you learn how to do, um, as a member of of that community is that you learn how to put yourself aside and really just work with, with others in your group to do whatever's right in front of you?
2: Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a good point. And I would say, you know, the teamwork thing is definitely taught and it's enforced. But again, I think it, I think a lot of this stems from the people that are there in the, you know, in the beginning and the, in the ones that end up there at the end, um, I think if you're just in that only for yourself um, and you have that personality, you're, you're going to need support from your brother at, at, at one point, right? Everybody gets there. Um, so if you have the mindset where it's all about me and you're not, you don't have that natural. Um, a little bit of selflessness, you know, obviously you need the drive and you need to be You're trying to make it through a program, of course. But I, I think, I think you eventually, you you do, you do, you do break, right. It's, it's part of the same personality um, that makes you successful in the first place. So I I would say the SEAL teams, um, you know, they always say, uh, you know, team gear, personal gear, than me. That's just like a common, a common saying in the, in the teams. Right. And all that means is I don't even care what you're doing. You know, if if you're trying to leave for the day, well, what does the team have to do? Is Are we still putting away, you know, departmental gear? Are we still doing all this stuff? Um, am I the guy that's going to, you know, walk out of the team room home early and other people are still working on some other kind of group type of project? You know, so that's team gear. Personal gear is, okay, that stuff's done. Now you got to worry about what's going to keep me efficient. I'm going to focus on my own kit, my own gear. And then very last is your own stuff. You know, what what's what do you got figured out in your own personal life? And, um, and I think that it's enforced and it's taught, but again, I think this is something that is a very much, a, it's a, it's a like-minded group of, of, of individuals that you don't really need to train for that part of integrity.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I would think that's innate. Now let me, let me bring Jess into here because I want to ask her some specifically because you're in a, what strikes me, Jess, is you, you're, you're in a very unique situation where you've gone through military training, but now you study it. So what is, when, when somebody is entering, whether it does, whether it's regular army or whether they're going to a special operations unit, like like the SEALs, what is the focus of the training? What are they trying to do to people when they come into the military environment? How are they trying to train them in terms of being able to handle and operate with stress?
1: Sure. So one of the thoughts, um, and kind of bring it to, back to O2X. So I, when I started working with O2X, it was also working with, what we call tactical athletes—so firefighters, police officers, um, individuals who are military, whether they are deployed or not—and so some of the things uh, I think that they all have in common. So when you're, when you're kind of looking at what what helps people be resilient, I think the other piece of that resilience question or that how you describe resilience is is adaptability. And so um, when Paul was talking about that experience, some of the things that came to mind, he talked about you know being surrounded by support, bonded by experiences really kind of describing these unassuming individuals who are motivated to succeed. He's not talking about the strongest, the smartest. Um, it's really kind of, there's a lot, there's a lot of mental aspects that go into it and that adaptability. And I think one thing that, um, that, that I, I see is that ability to manage the unknown. And so as we're talking about even kind of the current state that we're in now, a few things come to mind. One is overriding some of those natural ways that we think about things. And so, um, as a survival mechanism we know that human beings and and this is kind of like an evolutionary benefit was really paying attention to the negative and so uh we were more likely to notice uh, potential threats to our safety and so you want to pay attention to the negative so that you can bring yourself into safety in the modern world short of things that are maybe like going on right now or day-to-day we're not usually kind of in a state of constant threat uh, but our mind goes to that very quickly it's called the negativity bias and so from a survival perspective Our brains are doing exactly what they need to do, and I think people who do really well or adapt kind of get comfortable with that uncomfortable. And so they are—they may not know what's coming, and so kind of to Paul's point, who knows what the end of the day is going to look like or how training is going to go? You don't know what's coming. All you know is you're going to keep going. You're not going to let your team down. And so I think a lot of times that that ability to um, override some of those things that are really helpful. Um, but you don't know what's coming or you can't really set those expectation management other than I just have to adapt and overcome and keep going. And I think that's a big piece of, of that, um, that growth, but also that resilience piece.
0: Well, I'm going to stay there um, for one second on comfortable being uncomfortable, because I think right now, and then we can talk about how you guys, how O2X works this with your clients, because you work a lot with military and fire departments. And I think this is very timely because a lot of going through that type of training, a, a good, one of my workout buddies here is a, is a battalion chief with one of the local fire departments. And so we're always constantly talking about um, the need to work on stress and training because they want to stress. He says they want to stress their guys in training. So when they show up to work a scene, it's not a big deal to them. They know what to do and they can go into what they need to do. We've never lived through an environment like this of where you know, we're being told to stay two meters away from people we're being told to stay at home. We're being told to shelter at home. So for a lot of us, you know, I think all of us included, this is very uncomfortable. This is a new environment. So what are a couple of things, Jess, that we can maybe do to start becoming comfortable with the state of being uncomfortable?
1: Sure. I think for uh, the way that I, I look at this with O2X is, is knowledge is powered. So if you understand what your brain and your body are doing, how stress really manifests, it's not just it's in your head, kind of deal with it, it really is. When we're stressed, our bodies are physically stressed. That impacts how we sleep. When we're not sleeping well, that impacts how we kind of mentally function. Uh, we talk about the brain structure. And so from a survival perspective, that uh, that complex part of our brain that separates us from animals, the human part, logically planning, organizing, thinking through things, that kind of starts to shut down a bit when you're stressed. And so it's kind of that fight or flight mode. Um, and so when you're not sleeping well, or you're not eating well, or you're stressed out. A lot of these things almost become, you're sort of just operating on autopilot. So one is just recognizing that stress is much more than just in your head. It affects you physically. It affects the way you think about things. It affects your ability to really plan and logically think through things. Um, and so they say, you know, routine requires consistency. Well, in a state where we are now, if you're talking about needing kind of three to four weeks to really develop a routine, that's kind of hard for a lot of people who are now sheltered at home or sitting at their house and trying to figure out routines. So finding ways to, to, to um, make things more predictable um, can be really helpful, especially if you have families and young children. And so, um, developing routines, keeping as much on track as you can. So, whether that's waking up at a certain time, going to bed at a certain time, exercise, planning things—even if it's planning just play, um, planning routine throughout your day—can be very helpful. And so, trying to recognize one, there's ways you can mitigate it, um, and just kind of through, through routine or consistency as as lives are really changing. But then the other piece is just acknowledging that it's going to be uncomfortable. And so, I think sometimes people might get very frustrated with um, this, this isn't working or I'm having a hard time working from home or I can't work from home. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. My exercise routine has changed. can't go to my gym. There's, there's all these things that, that are going to be frustrating by virtue of the fact that it's, it's just different. But sometimes it's really that it's not permanent, it's temporary. Um, whether it's self-talk or really just kind of stepping back, writing down all those things, what's, what's kind of the worst case scenario. Um, and looking at all those different aspects of, okay, well, it's different, but it's not different forever. And so what do you do day to day to kind of get through it? Uh, one recommendation is, you know, at the end of the day to day, write down everything you did without a schedule today. And you may find that what feels like you didn't have a lot of time or you didn't get much done. You can really look at, okay, well, where, where did I have extra time? I didn't really use it. Where, uh, where did I really kind of get crunched with time? And so just looking at what did you do for the day and how can you organize that differently can be really helpful.
0: Well, it's funny. It's uh, as, as you talk about that the stress. Uh, a leaf blower comes by by my apartment. <laughs> you know, I, I, as we started started recording this podcast, I shared that I'm, normally I, I'm in a, in a little studio I made in my closet, but now I'm out in my living room because there's so many people working from home right now. There's a lot of ambient noise, and yeah, the only thing you can do is really um, is adapt. Is is if you know what's what's ahead of you, and that's one thing I've learned how to do. Um, with doing international travel i do a lot of international travel to teach workshops and whatnot and when, I, when i'm looking at a huge schedule about i might be in this city for a day i might have to travel at night and go to this city for a day or two i try not to think about the entire trip i just try to chunk it down okay what's the next city we're going to what am i doing in that city once that city's done okay no, no we're done with beijing what's next are we going to guangzhou where are we going next and i try to chunk it down like that and i find then the trip doesn't become too overwhelming it just you can take it and bite-size pieces. And so when you you hear this, and let me ask Paul this, when you hear these new orders, and I know you're you're in Massachusetts, and I think you guys have a stay-at-home order, what does your Navy SEAL mind, how does your Navy SEAL training kick in? And then the second part of that is, how do you share that with some of the groups that you work with in terms of the firefighters and the first responders that they have a double stress, right? Because they're stressed trying to take care of their families. At the same time, they still have to go to work. So first, Paul, how does your kind of Navy SEAL training kick in we're in a new operating environment like we're in right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, well, I've never pointed like an automatic weapon at the coronavirus before.
0: So I can't speak
2: to that, but I, what I, what I, what I can, what I can say is I think it goes back to the Jack Barry mindset, right? And you had said it exactly that. How do you break it down into smaller chunks? Um, I think it's important that, we don't become chicken little and uh, and turn this into the sky is falling, the sky is falling, um, you know, panic and, uh, and and stress sort of breeds panic and stress is one thing that I've, you know, have learned from my, my background. Um, I could tell you that uh, this is, you know, it is real, right? The precautions that we're taking, the measures that we're taking clearly have to be made. But I think it's important for people to take a step back and say, you know, this, this will end, you know, what am I doing in the here and now? Um, you know, from a military standpoint, this is no different than, you know, maybe winning this simple firefight, not, wor- not worrying about winning the entire battle or the time, you know, entire war. This is the here and now this is what's been um, thrown in our lap. And as a society, uh, what's the best way to, to react to that? And, you know, right now in Massachusetts in particular, it's a two week, Kind of uh, essential businesses only. I, I run a small company um, uh, with some other, uh, obviously partners, and uh, it it is it is disrupting and it is hard. And I'm I'm also trying to run a business uh, that requires to offer training and education to groups that don't have that uh, ability to shut down. Right. So we need to be able to attack that kind of uh, one day at a time. I think I think it's important for people to recognize that. This is a hard situation we're in. Uh, we should be smart about the the current situation we're in. We should attack it, win the fight on a short term basis, and everyone should understand that this this will end. There there will be an there will be an end to this. Uh, we will we will beat this, and um, and when we do, hopefully, you know the country and the world ultimately kind of comes together a, a little bit better as a place. Obviously, uh, the, the the tragedies that have come out of this are. Um, You know, it's horrible, but it's some of it's something that we have to accept is the reality. Right. So how do we how do we just look one day at a time, get through the next week, get through the next month? And then hopefully if we do that and we all attack it smart, uh, we're out on the other side.
0: Well, let's let's take that to 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 the community that you work with, like firefighters and law enforcement. And, you know, in in for listeners, you know, my ex-wife works for the sheriff's department here in San Diego and has worked in law enforcement for 20 years, so I'm, I'm a little familiar with that community. And she's not a she's not a shield. She works in the crime lab. But my understanding is that the guys, men and women out on patrol, their job is to go home. They want to take care of their job, and their job is to go home that night. Same with a firefighter showing up on a scene. A firefighter shows up on a scene. They got to deal with what they can deal with, so they can get back to the house. You know, and and in this situation, Jess, how can people? You know, what is that? Do, do people need to take that mindset about, okay, because I like the way what you talked about earlier take a look at your day. What can you do? What can you control? Is that the easiest way to get through this type of situation right now is to say, what can I control right now? And how do I do the next, the next right thing, the next step?
1: I think, so I think it depends on every person. So everyone's a little bit different. And, and certainly it isn't like everyone was doing great. And then this huge stress came up. A lot of people had Significant stressors going on already, and this is compounding it even more. So and so, I, I think it, it. Some things may not work for everyone, but it's finding what works for you. And so, some of them might be even reflecting. When's another period in your life that you've been stressed, and how did you get through it? Uh, we've all had stressful periods, and we've and and likely all found ways to kind of get through that. And so, what worked for you before? Is it some time to yourself? If you're a very kind of social person. Is it more surrounding yourself by support? Maybe that's even virtual support. And so what do you need as an individual to really help you get through something? If you have a house full of people and you're not that social of a person, you might need to put yourself kind of away from people and reset for 30 minutes, right? Yeah. So so it really depends on kind of what do you need and what does your spouse or your family need? Um, if you are a very social person, um, these kind of shelter in place uh, Periods might become really stressful because you're not getting that energy from other people, and so you might feel tired and depleted. and And so, can you have a virtual phone call with a friend, or can you um, can you interact in ways that that kind of help you? Um, and so, I think some of those can be really important to look at. Um, we're all going through some kind of aspect of this because it's it's sort of a nationwide um, event or or really global event, and so finding support from other people can be really helpful. Um, there's some things out there. There's some research about how we perceive risk. So what contributes to the way that we perceive risk? Um, and so there are three kind of main factors that I found in a lot of the stuff that I was reading before before we, we met today. And it was uh, new and unfamiliar circumstances. So um, th- that's the first one. Feeling like you have a little sense of control is the second. And then the third is experiencing a sense of dread. So the more that you have those three factors going into something, the more likely you are to perceive higher risk. Uh, if you're very angry about the situation, you may minimize it if you're really afraid of it It may increase it. Um, but looking at those three factors I would say what isn't new and unfamiliar in this and so or acknowledging it So what is still going on in your day-to-day routine? That's still what it is So again, that routine and kind of consistency Um, the little sense of control goes back to your question paula. Yes. What can you do? So what are the things that you can control? I can control when I wake up I can control when I go to sleep. I can control some of the activities during the day I can control if I set time aside. And so really there's a lot of stuff out of my control and it may even help to write some of that stuff down. Like, Hey, there's nothing I'm going to do about this. And so it's really not the thing to worry about. I'm not going to do anything to make it different. Um, but what are those things in my control? And then lastly, is that experiencing a sense of dread? You think about like exposure to th- there's a balance of really getting the information you need to be safe and, and to, I think maybe do our part to not, not to spread this. Um, but then there's that piece of, am I watching too much news or am I looking at a lot of negative aspects? Am I talking about how miserable I am? Um, may increase that sense of dread. And so maybe it's time when you kind of unplug and move away from the news, or you decide that you're going to spend 30 minutes to an hour, really understanding what's going on and what you need to do and then backing away from it. And so I think the more that you can kind of mitigate those three things, the more you can kind of have a normal or semblance of, of normal day-to-day activities or routine through this.
0: Well, as you're saying this, I, mean, I was thinking about what, what Paul was saying with his training is i think you know the clients that you work with the the law enforcement the tactical athletes the the fire departments the first responders even though they have the stress of still going out on the job they do the benefit they have is they have that a team environment where they're working with other people in the same situation you know and i think that that provides a little bit of a a little bit of a different mindset because they know they're out there working with other people you know what in, in your thoughts you know what what can we do staying at home what can we do to kind of create our own team environment? You know, if if I am self, you know, self-isolating, if I am uh, so, the, practicing social distancing, yeah, what can we do to feel like we're part of a team so that we together, we can all get through this and one, you know, kind of and come out on the other side?
1: Sure. I think um, finding those positive aspects of support. And so we kind of going back to the beginning. We, we, we sometimes seek out or, or the negative sort of grabs our attention a little bit more readily than those positive stories. Uh, by virtue of sort of being a, a survival mechanism. And so uh, if you're looking for information, maybe look for positive support groups. If, if you don't readily have that um, through friends, family members, things like that you can reach out to, maybe, maybe that isn't um, the way that your life is set up right now, then look for you can look for all kinds of groups online or, or different ways to find those positive aspects. Um, if it's support, even, even if you feel like, hey, I don't really feel like reaching out to a support group, I don't have friends and family I can call. I feel like I'm pretty alone in this. Uh, a great thing that you can do is just journal. Uh, we process our thoughts differently when we write them down. And so sometimes what feels very catastrophic or we feel like we're alone or we've just got a lot of things going on in our mind, if you can talk about out with somebody else, that's great. If you don't feel like you can or you don't want to share those with other people, write them down and throw away the piece of paper or type them out and leave them on your computer. One, I think you kind of symbolically leave it there. And so it's not in your head. It's sitting on the paper. Um, But it also gives you a chance to process that even if you don't have that support that you can reach out to.
0: Uh, That's awesome. And then what are you doing? Like, how are you telling what are you telling your uh, tactical clients or your your law enforcement and first responder clients? How are you helping them through to deal with the stresses? Because they still have to do their job. Like, how are you guys helping them to, to be able to handle this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's actually
2: it's no different,
0: right? I mean, we're, we're
2: they're 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 looking at the same media outlets that everybody else is. Um, I think they're probably just as uh, you know stressed out as everybody else is, um, arguably more uh, because because they're you know everyone else is being told to stay home in Massachusetts as an example, uh, but yet they 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 can't do that, right? So that adds a level of stress for them individually and their families. I think you said something earlier that, that, that did make a lot of sense though, in some of these communities where there is sort of that, you know, brotherhood and sisterhood and this natural team environment, which helps right. Um, First responders in general, in in a lot of ways, if we talk about stress and let's say we're referring to it, even a little bit more serious, like post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic stress disorder, a lot of times these, these, these groups, they, by nature of their job, they, they all signed up for post-traumatic stress, if that makes sense. Um, now making this turn into post-traumatic stress disorder and actually have, have it be something that affects your daily life on a, uh, negatively, that's, that's a different situation. But, um, you know, these people are in careers where, you know, let's say they're responding to you know car accidents and maybe pulling out, uh, you know, a, a dead child or something like that. Like that situation, unfortunately, might become normal to that individual, but it doesn't make that situation normal, right? So these people are. One thing I will say is, I I think they are used to a certain level of stress, which could help. They also have people that speak the the same language of them. They have they have uh, uh, a little bit of a of a community board where where you know in the firefighter space, for example, they can come back into the kitchen table and. Uh, share stories uh, even if they're negative or positive and kind of get a little bit of that dark humor out there that that helps um, that definitely helps with some of the isolation type piece that I think a lot of individuals don't have that are staring at home and holding on to all the negative uh, media and and being you know hyper focused on on what could go wrong next and I can't tell you how many text messages I've I've got just myself on. Hey, look at the charts. Look at how many. Look at how many positive cases there are today, and then look at how many there are tomorrow, and look at how much we're gaining on China or Italy or you know. And and so you can you you start holding on to those things, and it it creates uh it, it creates a, a really stressful situation where Jess had brought up a good point where it's like hey can control what you can control and hold on to the good, um and 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 I do think those communities. Uh, they do have that luxury a little bit to be able to actually, at least if nothing else, have a, have a sounding board of of members that are used to this.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, neg- sorry, the negativity builds negativity, right? If I dwell on negative thoughts, it just goes down the rabbit hole. But then on the flip side, if you take that positive outlook, like you, what you suggested, like, hey, we'll get through this and imagine how we feel when we look back. And that's what I think of sometimes, you know, when I personally, if I'm going through a tough time, I think about, okay, how am I going to feel in two, four, six weeks when this is done? And I look back and think it wasn't that tough. You know, there's really that. So I think positivity builds positivity and that's really something that's personally, that's what I try to hold on to. Sorry, Jess, what were you going to say?
1: No, I I absolutely agree with you. I think the way our mindsets that we go into it at the end of the day, what are the things that were good about your day? Because usually there's something, but we know that, that people, um, people who describe their lives as being uh, kind of like lower quality often look for the negative. So if they, they might get to work and say, I hit every, every red light on the way to work. Like it just, my drive always is terrible and it's miserable. Whereas someone with a more positive outlook on life might say, there's always red lights and say two of them were green. Like it was awesome. Or, you know, the, I found my key immediately this morning versus, um, you know, they, they kind of find the negative in things. And so I think when you look at that positive, um, and, and it's a, it's a habit. And so in these times, what can you find in the positive? It may be literally sitting down at the end of the day and, Hey, I'm going to identify three things that we're going to talk about today rather than looking at the negative. Um, I, what I was going to say before uh, was to that point of the post-traumatic stress, something that I found fascinating working with O2X and uh, the military is a lot of these individuals that work in high stress environments, these tactical athletes, the, the stress of the job or, or, or the, the, the job that they do is not stressful, is not the, the stressful piece of life. And so they, they're passionate about what they do um, and Paul, please jump in if, if you have any thoughts or you feel differently. Uh, people that they, they've joined for a reason, so whether it's a Navy SEAL or a firefighter or a police officer, they, they're stressed to their job. But when they're in the zone and they're doing their job, they, they're they're doing what they feel they were meant to do. And so really, the, a lot of those stressors come from day-to-day stuff or family life, those good stressors that we talked about. It isn't doing the job in the moment. And so I think a lot of times when it's, um, when you have all these other things that are going on, um, one way that they deal with that, because, of course, they are experiencing some pretty potentially horrific events or very, very stressful things, uh, that post-traumatic stress, what we do with it is normalize it. So for, for people who maybe aren't in those environments uh, and aren't used to dealing with these kind of things, normalizing what you're experiencing can be incredibly powerful. I would expect someone to be a little anxious. I would expect people to potentially lose some sleep over worrying about what's going on, whether that's are they going to have a job? Are they going to contract? Um, an illness? Are they going to spread an illness? How are their loved ones doing? Do they have elderly parents they're worried about? It would be more abnormal to be happy-go-lucky and have no issues with it. And so I think stepping back and saying, hey, as you said, this is a limited amount of time, but it's normal for me to have some stress right now and to feel a little overwhelmed. There comes a point when you're so overwhelmed that you can't function that's getting that more disorder and certainly reach out to people, find what your local resources are, um, if you are isolated and you need that help, there's tons of online resources. If you need things like behavioral health and mental health, but for most people to be stressed and scared and worried and sad and overwhelmed right now is totally normal and expected. if so some of that is, Hey, my body's responding the way I need it to.
0: Well, before we get ready to wrap up, I just want to share with you. I mean, you know, Paul, I guess we're about the same age, you know, but I was working in downtown DC the morning of September 11th, you know? I was at a, I was a, I was a trainer in a gym about three blocks from the White House, and I really, I mean, for the next five months, you know, we we were afraid in D.C. that they're going to, you know, that whatever terrorist, whatever the boogeyman was, that they might be setting off a, a dirty bomb or something. So I had ordered a gas mask on online, and, and for five or six months, I traveled around all the gyms I worked in in D.C. with a gas mask in my backpack, um, just being ready. You know, I didn't freak out too much, but they're coming up with all this nonsense about what might happen next. But then the other thing that really changed, and and this is a feeling, you mentioned post-traumatic stress, but I haven't felt, what I'm feeling now, I haven't felt since the fall of 2002. And the fall of 2002 was a D.C. sniper that for six weeks in the Washington, D.C. area, and I lived in downtown D.C. at the time, and my ex-wife worked for a police department right outside of D.C., but for six weeks, the D.C. area was virtually on lockdown because people were getting shot, I mean, killed indiscriminately right and left before that guy got caught and it was really, that was such a surreal time that just in my mind, I hadn't thought about that for years. Now I know there's like been a show on Netflix and a couple other things that go through it and I haven't, I don't want to watch that because I lived through it, you know, I lived through what it was like, you know, Starbucks took all their cap their, their outside seating away, you know, it was a really changed our mindset. So what's interesting to me is I haven't felt what I'm feeling now in terms of like this unknown, I haven't felt since the fall of 2002. And that's nothing compared to what you've been through, Paul, with your training. But you know, it's really just it's, it's interesting how some of those feelings come back. Now to start wrapping this up and to bring it home, do you guys you guys work with you guys work with law enforcement and first responders on resiliency training, but does O2X also work with private corporations? Because I'm sitting there thinking, what if I'm an HR manager or if I'm a VP and I'm listening to this? Man, this sounds like great training. I might want to get, you know, as we come back to work, as we come back to our environment. We might want to bring some training like this into our facility to help our team, to help our teams, whether it's a sales team or whether, whatever team it might be. Do you guys work with uh, organizations, corporations, as well as military and law enforcement?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We, we do. I think at the end of the day, we're, we're willing and able and ready to support anyone that wants to have a bit of a progressive mindset and, uh, and look at, you know, kind of the humans over hardware Type piece, right? Um, I think one thing that's important to recognize is that you know we're not hyper focused on on anything so specific when we talk about human performance at large, right? So when we talk about stress mitigation, um, we really look at this whole thing, and I think Jess had hammered it in a bunch of different ways, but. We talk about strength and conditioning, nutrition, sleep hygiene, stress mitigation, mental resilience, mental performance, um, you know, all the behavioral health stuff. But we, we really look at this as, as that these might be all independent pillars, but they're all very much codependent on each other. And it is important to recognize that if you're so fixated on doing something about stress, but yet you're not sleeping, you're eating horrible, you're not getting physical activity, well, what do you think is going to happen to your stress levels, right? So even though these are all independent pillars, it's important to recognize that they're all dependent on each other. And you can't you're not going to fix stress by focusing on stress alone. You got to be, you got to be thinking about the full package. You know, are are you, even though everyone's in lockdown, can you get outside and even if it's on your back deck and do a 15 minute little circuit and, you know, feel a little bit better. Are you eating healthy? Are you, are you doing something about your sleep? Are, Are you getting off the computer and at when you're trying to go to bed? Are you staring at blue light for an hour looking at the next study of how everything's falling apart around you? Right. So you know, and then the other big piece, besides having like a complete approach to performance, is also recognizing that you're not going to turn this thing around like it's a dinghy in a in a harbor. This is more of an aircraft carrier. So we talk a lot about making one percent changes, one in percent incremental changes that will ultimately have a, a much larger impact, right? So making these small, you know, one percent changes every day to 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 kind of to kind of improve is 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 going to be is going to be critical at the, at this time. Um, I, I do think after we come out of this, which we will, uh, I do think both the private sector and the public sector might take a look at human performance and uh, well-being um, in a, in a, in a, in a greater light. I, I'm hoping they do. I'm hoping that we, we learn from this and, and more reset, more resources get, Poured into this um, this sector, and and we do rec- recognize what makes these businesses grow and achieve and expand is is the is is the people. So um, yeah, I would say yes would be the answer. We do work with the corporate space. Anyone that's look you know looking outside the box to bring this kind of training and education and kind of our sustainment programs to their. To their uh, personnel. Um, but our focus will remain uh consistent. Uh, and that is, you know, serving those who serve highly focused on the tactical athlete space, highly focused on these police fire military crowds, and um and really just trying to de- de- to deliver long-term impact to those individuals.
0: Cool, guys. Well, I appreciate it. where where can people get more information on O2X? I mean, obviously you guys have a website. Are you doing are you yep. putting information out on like social on social channels? to help people deal with uh, this type of, uh, with the environment we're in now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we're active on
0: all the social channels that you're well aware of from the
2: Instagrams and, you know, all that stuff. Um, also, O2X.com is is really where you can find all the information. We do have a, a book that's worth picking up. Um, I would say when we were talking about this complete approach to performance and also a lot of the stress mitigation techniques and mental resilience tools. Um, it's called Human Performance for Tactical Athletes. I could tell you that this is um, this is something that a lot of corporations, to your earlier point, have bought for their employees because it it's really uh, highly focused on that complete approach. And um, I think it's it's more of a manual. We actually teach off this book, but it's a it's something great to throw in your backpack. Uh, if you're traveling or that type of that type of piece, it's it's uh, forged written by Donald, uh, former secretary of defense, Donald Rumsfeld. Um, there's, you know, endorsements from General Stanley McChrystal. And uh, it's 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 awesome. We we teach we we teach off this book as if it's um, history, uh, as
0: if it's history 101. Well, and you, can, you know, I wrote a blog a number of years ago. A buddy of mine uh, was training for the MARSOC teams. He's a lieutenant colonel in the MARSOC teams. Um, that's all I know I'm getting old, Paul, is, is my work. <laughs> yeah, I'm now a exactly. battalion chief and a lieutenant colonel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, uh, but he was, I think he was a captain or, I think he was a captain or just been promoted to major and, and he was getting, he was as an officer, he still had to go through the, uh, the, the, the for recon for the recon teams. He started to go through the training and I went and did some of the training with him as he was getting ready to go into it. It kicked <laughs> my butt. And, and <laughs> I look at the top athletes in the world. Tactical athletes are the top athletes in the world because it really, in my opinion, though, it comes down to the mental toughness, right? It comes down to the ability to handle adverse situations. To your point earlier, they may not be the best athlete on the field, but they have the ability to adjust their mindset to accomplish the mission, and they're always having to deal with it with a different environment. Whereas like a triathlete, a triathlete can be extremely fit, but a triathlete's only going straight for however many miles. You know what I mean? And a CrossFit athlete, they might be extremely strong and fit, but all they're doing is lifting weights for time. You know, whereas a tactical athlete, you're dealing with pretty adverse situations. So I'll see if I can find uh, that. I wrote that blog years ago for the American Council on Exercise. I'll see if I can find it and send a copy to you. So, hey, Paul McCullough and, and Dr. Jess Harmon uh, talking about, you know, resiliency training and, and how tactical athletes uh, develop. I really, I, I appreciate your time today, guys. And I really appreciate what, you, what you're doing uh, to, help, to help those you work with.
2: Hey, thanks a lot for having us. I really, I really appreciate the time and um, try to stay healthy. Yeah, you do
0: the same. Yes.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, that was really, I mean, and that's the way I, I, I try to approach things. You know, first of all, I'm going to have all the information down in the show notes. And if you want to, if you're looking, this is my plug, right? Um, I don't take advertising money. If, if you want to support the podcast, you can support it by buying a copy of Smarter Workouts. The Science of Exercise Made Simple. Smarter Workouts is a book. uh, I actually wrote it. I wrote it before I knew we'd all be sheltered at place and home. But Smarter Workouts is is a book that's designed to teach you how to exercise using only one piece of equipment or no equipment at all. If you go to my website, I'll send you and sign up for my mailing list. I'll send you a chapter of Smarter Workouts. You can read it. I also send you one of the workouts from Smarter Workouts. If you like it, you can buy the book. All's good there. But really, that's kind of, you know, I mean that. I, I really, right now, I've, I haven't felt this feeling that it, since October of, of 2002 when the DC sniper was going on. And that was a scary time. I don't know if anybody listening lived in the DC area at that time, but when the DC sniper was happening, people were being shot right, right and left and there was no pattern to it. It was a very, there's a lack of control. And that's one of the biggest things about stress right now is is we have a lack of control. Right now in in this environment that we're operating in, we feel like we don't have much control. But what can you control? Think about that. Flip it. What can you control? As Jess mentioned, what can you control? Can you get up and do a little bit of exercise? Can you get up and do something small like make your bed? Can you clean your place? Can you do something productive with your kids? Can you do something productive with your significant other. What can you control? There's a lot of things we can't control right now, but you can't worry about what you can't control. I mean that, and it takes a while to get in that mindset. There's a lot of, you can't worry about that. But what we can control is how we conduct ourselves in our day-to-day environment. And think about it this way. Think about the team environment. Think about the team being your neighbors. Think about the team being your family. We are all in this together. We want to arrest this thing. We want to stop this virus in its tracks. We want to do what they say by flattening the curve. And we can do that by functioning as a team. If we function as a team, if everybody works together, you know what? We can shorten this thing. We can reduce its lifespan. We can reduce its effect on us. But we have to take that mindset of the Navy SEALs. We have to put the we before the me. And I'll say that again. I get this. I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. And Joe talks about that all, you know, Joe has a number of Navy SEALs come on his podcast and you listen to him. And I think Andy Stumpf was on recently and he was talking about putting the we before the me as part of the SEAL indoctrination program. And that's exactly what we need to do right now. Yes, it might be uncomfortable staying at home for so long. Yes, there's a lot of fear going on about work and everything. You know what? But you can't control that. But what you can do is think about the greater good. What you can do is think about how you can contribute to flattening the curve. Think about this. We're going to come through this two weeks, four weeks. Maybe it's going to be a few months. But we will come through this thing. Most importantly, if we all work together, if we all link arms, if we all go shoulder to shoulder, stand side by side and face this freaking thing together, we will work through it and we will come through it and we will be together on the other side. I know we can do that. So I want to thank Dr. Harmon. I want to thank Paul for stopping by. And I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, thanks for stopping by. And I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.